Hello, Sopranos podcast fans. This is Chris D'Amato here, hoping you all had a wonderful and lovely Thanksgiving holiday. Just wanted to let you all know before we get to today's episode that we are going to be doing a segment on our upcoming Season 3 retrospective. We're about halfway there now, seven more episodes until our next retrospective. And we've been getting a lot of really awesome fan emails, questions, feedback, positive, negative, whatever, just a wide range of emails. And we want to kind of do a listener email segment. So if you have anything you would like to ask us, commentary about our show or about The Sopranos in general, just thoughts you want to get down, maybe have read and answered on our retrospective episode, please feel free to send them in. And the email address you want is thesopranospodcast at gmail.com. That's thesopranospodcast at gmail.com. And feel free to also reach out or ask your question on social media at The Sopranos Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Sopranos Podcast know the on Twitter. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. Oh, hey, wow. We are here for Sopranos podcast season three, episode six. Am I not merciful? Make you feel good. You feel like a man. That quote was given by Tracy at a pivotal scene of this episode, season three, episode six of The Sopranos, entitled University. Get comfortable, folks. Here's the list of writers. Story by David Chase, Terrence Winter, Todd A. Kessler, Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess. With teleplay by Terrence Winter and Salvatore Stabile. Directed by Alan Coulter. And together, they make your life completely miserable for an entire hour. <laughs> With your powers combined, <laughs> you have depression. So what this sounds like to me is that the Sopranos writer's room conceived this story and Terrence Winter and Stabile penned the script, but they must have all just like kind of come up with this together. What an hour. Uh, I remember this episode vividly. This is one that sticks with you. For my money, this is one of the more powerful and upsetting scripts in the Sopranos canon. University. It's one of those like, ooh, we got to get through that one. We brought Lily here. We, Lily is owed a fun episode. I'm owed a fun episode. She's owed a fun episode. We have it on the record to the listeners. Lily gets a fun one next. Yes. So we're going to bring her in for something that isn't uh, eminently heavy and disturbing. Although there were a lot of laughs, as most Sopranos episodes have some laughs, but uh, this one was just disturbing on a deep level. Um, but I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we're going to break university down for you. Let's go around the table here. Initial thoughts and impressions. I think we've implied that this has been a, a rough hour of TV, but I'm excited to talk about it nonetheless. Lily, and we'll go around the, the, the gamut here. What do, we, what do we think of university? You'd think that watching this episode would get easier since I've seen it multiple times. Uh, it actually gets harder as I get older. It's brutal. It, the laughs don't outweigh any kind of plot, story, lines. Nothing to me was funny, really, about this episode. Uh, I find it really difficult to watch, and yet I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, everybody. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're happy to have you here, Lil. Thanks for joining us. This is a tough episode to watch. There's a couple things. One is that not only are we seeing, of course, the hypocrisy of this world, but I think at a level that we haven't seen, it's it's a it's pretty disturbing to me how good these guys are at being hypocrites. Yeah. Particularly as is evinced in the dinner scene, 
that follows the beating that the young woman Tracy gets from Silvio and the humiliation from Ralphie. We'll get to that. Um, also, as Meadow discovers, getting out of the underworld does not protect you. Uh, the professional managerial class just seems to have a more sophisticated way of using and discarding the women they don't want. And that seems to be the university, the, the difficult education, the learning curve that comes in this episode. So all of it is pretty unforgiving to me in spite of um, a few funny moments. Um, Spartacus is definitely better than Gladiator, um, but I think most <laughs> movies are. <laughs> so we'll come back to that. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a tough one, and, but it's an important one. I know that some people were not happy when this episode aired, and I think I understand why, but I, I think that it's important because of what they wanted to show about who these guys really are and what their world will countenance. Uh, staring down the barrel of season three and coming as kind of someone who is a novice to the series and doesn't really remember all the episodes very well and hasn't seen some of them, uh, I, I did know looking in at season three I was going to have uh, two episodes that I was like, okay, these are kind of controversial hot-button episodes. The first is Employee of the Month, which we covered just a few episodes ago. And then, of course, here we are at uh, University. Thanks for having me back, everybody. Uh, yeah, it's just only the Lily episodes. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I... Uh, my my first thought after I finished the episode was just that the episode is incredibly mean, and unlike Employee of the Month, which I thought had a really, really good takeaway, like I, I really took something with me from Employee of the Month and was able to, to really think about it in a way that was productive. At the end of University, I just feel bad, um, <laughs> and I don't have a lot to do with uh, my feelings in a way that I could work through, you know, in, in the episode itself or from the episode itself. But I guess, and we can speak about this obviously through the episode when we get to the end, but but um, I guess to some extent the meanness, the brutality, the callousness is the point. Right. It's funny you say that, Jordan, because there was a moment, Lily, when the episode was really cooking on all cylinders, where Lily says to me, that's worse than, this is worse than Employee of the Month for me. Because mm -hmm. at least Employee of the Month you have Melfi's strength, Melfi's agency, Melfi's power in her decision melfi gets to make a decision she has uh, after the loss of the moment of losing control she gets to make very powerful decisions throughout that episode about the trajectory of her life mm. that is something empowering coming out of something very tragic and very sad the women in this episode do not get that they don't get that empowerment. They don't get those options in all of the parallel storylines, and we'll get into that. Um, there's no there's no power here for the women, and it's it's very very sad. Yeah, uh, it, it's a very also very cleverly told in a, in a weird twisted way. I kind of almost see this in a, sort of the Godfather two format, where you're telling kind of parallel stories about people at the same age, Godfather 2 being about Michael Corleone and his dad Vito Corleone at the same age, we're kind of getting Meadow's story and the story of this girl Tracy, and they're, you got to remember, these are two very similarly aged girls, and when you really keep that in mind, it just drives up the tragedy and brutality of this episode to a big degree. So let's keep that in mind as we go through it. Uh, university. We open up on the Bing. We're going to be spending a lot of time in this building this episode. The strip club for which Tony and the family make their home uh, for their gangster lifestyle. 
We hear this song, uh, Living on a Thin Line by the Kinks, which is going to be playing throughout the episode. We're getting a shot of these girls, a long, lingering shot of the men watching these girls dance on stage. We have a little chat about nicknames with Georgie, Silvio, Tony uh, at the corner of the bar. Georgie being the bartender that Tony beat up in season one uh, with the phone. <laughs> a bit of a bit of a knucklehead, bit of a doofus, and uh, also Subrique. Little... Uh, and they're talking about Italians and nicknames then the stripper Tracy comes in she's young, she's different she took her son to the doctor like Tony suggested just a cold, thankfully brings him a gift of date nut bread very sweet, very sweet gesture here there's something kind of sweet and innocent to her right off the bat and we're being shown, you know, we usually don't spend much time with the strippers at the Bing. So right off the bat, we're getting something new here. Tony expresses that he can't accept the gift. Also implies, yo, there's also you and Ralphie. We don't know exactly what's going on there yet, but something's going on with Tracy and Ralphie. So Silvio says, let's go. Betty Crocker points to his watch. She gets ready and the, they, they leave the scene with the line, bread. <laughs> great, great delivery. Yeah. So thoughts, let's uh, talk about this opening. Any thoughts here on this scene and what we're introduced to, how we're introduced to it? Well, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. you know, new character. Let's talk about this actor playing Tracy. Uh, she's a very young girl. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing that strikes you when you see her. She's young. She's, I think they say she's 20 at some point in the episode, which is basically a kid. And it should remind you immediately, like, oh, yeah, Meadow is the same age, right? So this is someone that Tony could potentially see as, like, you know, reminding him of his daughter. Um, she has a kid, uh, right? So there's a little flag for you, right? Uh, her kid is sick. Uh, Tony has helped in some way. She's giving him a baked good, right? Just something that is very sweet, basic decency, right? Her appearance, she's a beautiful girl. She's got some odd teeth, right? Which becomes part of this. Uh, but also she's very, um, doe-esque, right? Very deer-like, right? Mm. They want us to see her as an innocent uh, which she is. Well, and her yeah. eyes are nice and wide. Right. right. They very they must have been very deliberate with the, the aesthetic of this actor as well. Yeah. And the feeling as a viewer, at least for me, was just kind of like, oh, I, I wish Tony was a little bit more accepting of this person. He does brush her off. I'm sure this is business etiquette. I'm sure this is how he is with all the girls. But I'm just kind of like, okay, the dime has been dropped. This person's in a bit of trouble. Mm. You know. It's also, yeah, it's a really good point. <clears throat> it's also complicated because... Even though, as you mentioned, Jordan, he's laying down this kind of like, it seems like, pat, business talk, I got a family, they bring me things, what we got is more of an employer-employee relationship. He's looking at her and is seeing these characteristics, seeing that she's young, perhaps thinking of Meadow, and uh, that's going to be the complication, is that he accidentally figures out at some level that this girl is a human being. Um, and that's not how they relate to them. Silvio in this scene is actually not, he's not like awful with her or anything. It's like, oh, what's wrong, hon? So they have a sense that they keep care of these women. But as Jordan mentioned, more like a doe or a deer, later on he describes her as thoroughbred. Um, that's the way they relate to them. Mm. This is a theme throughout the whole show, but it's really strong in this episode specifically of people who get it. And people who don't get it. Right? What do you mean by that? Um, there are people you meet who just 
I don't entirely know precisely how to explain it, but there's people who just understand the world, social contracts, oh, okay. yeah. things like that. People who get it's it. It's an emotional right? intelligence. It's a connectedness to Yeah, itself. and it's a little bit of street A little smart. bit of self... It's a, you know what it is? It's also self-awareness. Self-awareness. People, people who, who are, can yeah. look down on themselves and kind of see how they're interacting and judge whether or not this is working, this is not, right? Um, and then there's people who don't get it, right? And... Um, Tracy, it becomes very clear immediately in this first scene through the exposition we're given, Tracy doesn't get it. You're not going to go up to the mob boss, even if he was nice to you and gave you a little extra money, and, you know, come up to him fully clothed and say, here's some date nut bread, right? It would be like bringing date nut bread to a, a fraternity party that was fully togas and you're in normal clothes, yeah. right? It's odd. Be it looks like odd behavior. It looks awkward. It feels awkward, and it's meant to be. And we'll we'll continue to see peop the people who get it and the people who don't. This episode for sure. Yeah, I want to say briefly also that it's important. I mean, the Kink song is perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect thematic uh, reference to the episode. It's also credibly, I think, a song that they would play in a titty bar. And this is kind of the choral chant for this episode mm. is this song and these girls dancing. Yeah. And it keeps coming back to these same themes over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautifully pieced together. I mean, when I, this is a beautiful piece of art, this episode, I don't want anyone to say, when we say it's unpleasant that it's un, that we mean it's not good. It's, it's, it's very well told, very well directed. Alan Coulter, who I, I remember hearing an interview with him somewhere saying that he was like, like depressed when he read this script like he didn't want he almost didn't even want to direct it it's like jesus this is dark uh but you know they did a great everyone was on top of their game here they it was a story well told just not a very pleasant story subject subject wise and the things that happen in it so a little brief moment of levity we're gonna suck up all the levity we can in this episode because there's so little of it we get this dinner scene. Ralph is going on about Gladiator with AJ. They're having this fun. Gladiator at the time was a huge movie. Uh, we all have a friend in particular who was obsessed with Gladiator at the time as yes. well. Uh, <laughs> there's some eye rolling going on, but also some laughter. Uh, and, um, you know, yeah, this was a huge movie at the time. It won, I think it won some Oscars, didn't it? Yeah, at least, yes. yeah, yeah. So Ralphie is obsessed with it, talking about it with AJ. AJ is obsessed with it. A lot of I, I love this. I love this so much this exchange between Carmela's parents when uh, <laughs> Mary Angela says, "Aaron Brockovich, that was a nice one," and Hugh says, "I didn't care for it," and she says, "You did too." What are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote I was like, I hate that Hugh isn't allowed to not care about Aaron Brockovich yeah. <laughs> and fuck Gladiator too. Like I don't give a shit about Aaron Brockovich either. It's just very funny in an episode about men domineering women yeah <laughs> that we still get a glimpse of hugh in his element with with her is very funny to me fresh prince in new jersey i love that label for uh that tony drops for uh jackie, jackie. Jr., yeah. very, <laughs> very apt he comes in so handsome he's a good kid they're saying nice things about him as of now he was a bit of a douche in the last episode with uh you know the scene in the hospital but uh tony is trying to keep this kid on the straight and narrow and what we're seeing of him is you know he's in and out he's he's living a young life he's hanging out with his friend Dino Carmela doesn't want Carmela invites Dino up Tony's like no he, he, he's out you know no we're good he'll come in another time uh, Tony doesn't want Dino in the house but he was willing to let Jackie in there but he's he's just living life he seems to be doing what, uh, for for all intents and purposes he seems to be doing all right in school um, Ralph 
mentions he was supposed to be an architect. Then we go to Columbia, and we're getting a glimpse of how Meadow's doing, and she and Noah are there. They're kind of just yeah, they're talking. hanging out in bed. Yeah, yeah talking is, about their first impressions, and yeah, all they wrote is ew. Yeah. Ugh, they're yeah. gross. That's better than my notes. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we've expressed before that we don't care for Noah, and it is you know, unlike Tony, it has nothing to do with his ethnic background. He's just kind of a douche. Yep. Meadows young in love, and we've got it. The amount of girls that age who date douchebags is high. So it, you know, it's of any expected. age, of any age, really. But especially that <laughs> yeah. age. So, but you know, she's not only has feelings for him, but also is acting in defiance of, of her father, which is very natural for someone this age as well, especially a young girl. And um, they're dating, you know, they're kissing, they're they're having a nice little pillow talk about, you know, they're, they're, they're tickling, they're kissing. They, the making out starts getting heavy, and Caitlin comes in. She does not respect the sex aisle. Hey, you know, that's a big thing in college, you, the sex aisle. Everyone knows about that. You, you, you tell your roommate to make plans. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but her entrance line breaks my heart. Mm. She says, I didn't know where else to go. Mm. Right? This girl has no friends. And she's in this New York City. This girl has nobody. She's got nowhere to go. Yeah. They could at least go to Noah's room. Right. You know. He's so. the RA. He has his I know room. Caitlin's annoying, but already the entrance, I was like, all right, you need help. Oh, yeah. Now, she's a sad character. Absolutely. Caitlin is another character in this episode who doesn't get it. Right. And and when I say you doesn't get it, it's not a judgment on the... You know, there are, are very real re- mental health traumatic reasons why these two ladies don't get it. But yeah. they don't get it. These are also all quite young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, there there's a learning curve here. There's a This is a callback in many ways to college. Because it's dealing with the learning curve, it's also dealing with false faces. Mm. So, and I wrote, I guess it's jumping a little bit with the next scene with Noah, is it, again, like maybe young women who are looking for something, who don't get it, and need a certain amount of guidance. But I wrote, just wrote particularly in this episode, men get a lot of mileage out of, like, making really simple suggestions. <laughs> like, take your kid to the doctor and yeah. be nice to the girl from the farm. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you're such a nice guy. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, you know, it's it's because doing the bare minimum <laughs> as a man to be a decent person can be seen as an achievement because by and large men are so terrible, right? <laughs> That's kind of what's being communicated here, but it's also kind of a truth in society. You said it better than I was going to say it. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you give me your version. Well, no, it's just that's exactly right. It's 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 all of the talk around, you know, and as a extension of our conversation and employee of the month too, girls are taught don't wear this because boys will think this. Don't do this because it's distracting to boys. And so boys get to be distracted and be imbeciles and girls have to cater to that right you can't show your bra straps in school because the boys may not learn not teach boys to pay attention in school right yeah so this is this is an exact this is an exact result of what comes of that right you get these boys who are doing the bare minimum and that's the kind of fun irony behind noah's line in this next scene which i don't mind talking about because it's so brief yeah is that 
you know, he says to her, well, he glibly says after she compliments him for caring about Caitlin on the most basic of levels, which we find out later is completely superficial once it actually affects him, is, well, not most guys. But that's the irony, is he actually is. He's very much like most guys. <laughs> there was an insight in a recent movie called Promising Young Woman that it's the nice guys you got to watch out for. Huh. And it, it could be that Noah, at some level, reflects that because it gets close enough. But then when he's done with what you can give him, he, he discards you. Yeah, and, and also I have to, I have to give the the writers a little slap on the mouth, uh, <laughs> for writing this line in this episode. It's a beautiful bit of irony, um, to to put the line "Why is other people's pain a source of amusement?" in this episode <laughs> of television designed for our entertainment and amusement is uh, something else. I really appreciated that. Completely uh, rude. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, so she's having trouble. Caitlin, getting back to the actual plot here, Caitlin is having trouble adapting to city life, to college life. She's got some issues going on. She got very upset seeing a movie over at the student union. Uh, Noah tells her, you know, you have to stay away from things that upset you, and she's pulling her hair out. She's taking Buspar. Uh, Meadow eventually and Noah abscond up to his room, which they should have been to begin with. He's an RA. He has his own room. And uh, she takes that little, uh, what are those knives called? Exacto knife. Exacto yeah. knife. Make sure, you know, it's a good call. It was a good detail, yeah. Yeah, she's from, we find out she's from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Culture shock. They talk a little bit about it. I'm sure that's part of it, but there's also very clearly something else going on there. Mental health. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, Meadow's first sex scene. This is a big, uh, big moment for, uh, this character, you know, in this episode. She's losing her virginity. We're, we're led to believe, right, to Noah. And it's, uh, we shot. We make mistakes. <laughs> it's shot very simply. We're, we're given the idea. I don't think it's gratuitous. Not at all. And fun fact about this, or, because uh, I don't know why this memory has continued for years and years and years, but I remember a YM or a 17 magazine and taking one of those, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old at this point. I'm taking one of those quizzes. And one of the questions was, what was Jamie Lynn Sigler wearing under the sheets during this scene? And it was like, A, nothing, B, sweatpants, C, whatever. And the answer was sweatpants. And I thought so that like, I thought that was kind of a cool touch now being removed from that of like letting girls know that like this wasn't real in yeah. a kind of a cool, fun way. I don't know why that's always stuck with me, but I remembered it specifically while watching it this time. What stuck with me is actually is that she asks him if he has a condom, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I know that we all hope that, you know, folks are practicing safe sex, but a lot of times the condom is not a part of it. Uh, the scene, overall, the tone of it, the asking for the condom, the sweetness of it, it actually is, even though we don't like Noah, us, it, it, you hope it it happens for everybody like this, right? Yeah, yeah. In this moment, she believes she loves him, they seem to trust each other, it's fully consensual, he's using protection, this yeah. is nice. This is going to be a sharp contrast to any kind of sex we see in this episode otherwise. I yeah. also want to give kudos to the writers, the directors, because most TV skips this step because it's not the fun step of a dramatic... Do you mean the condom step? I do mean the condom step. You know... And I think that this is really responsible of the writers to at least, if we're going to show this, let's show it the right way. It's true. Though, and this is not me disagreeing, I fully agree with you. Fully agree with you. I think a lot of people don't use condoms. Of course. Yeah. And I think a lot of people at the Bada Bing don't use condoms. 
Well, uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> and and we'll learn that Tracy doesn't use condoms, yeah. right? So, but not, no, but even just from a social responsibility yes. Absolutely. standpoint. Absolutely. It also shows Meadow's great upbringing versus yep. Tracy's lack of judgment, yep. right? This is all deliberate. But as a girl growing up at this time, not that I was watching The Sopranos at 14, 15, I was just reading the teen magazines about it. Yeah. As I, I appreciate this that step. Oh, absolutely. Even if it is delivered for the plot and the characters. Notable. It's super yes. notable. It's its own moment. Yeah. I think Meadow, these are all great points. Meadow knows how to protect herself mm-hmm. in many, if not all cases, but also something in her upbringing and some parts of this episode will also show how she is not from the mean streets. She is also ensconced in a way that Tracy is not. Very, very important fact. Mm. Meadow shows up in Jersey all smiles I think uh, any of us who have enjoyed sex at any point in our lives can understand this you show up you're, everything's everything's uh, she probably had a lovely commute in from the city <laughs> right. there was almost like music under the yeah, scene yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah the sun is shining brighter the food tastes better all that jazz and uh, Carmella, Mom, we should watch Eloise together. Yeah, it's yeah, be great. yeah. <laughs> to the extent that Carm even calls her on it, like yeah. by the good mood. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's very funny. Huge bullshit she, she's not even Carmella. like she mentions where's Daddy, but like in in a nicer way than normal. Even right. like, if she won't talk to him. Tony comes in, doesn't rise to the bait. Quote as he says, uh, and uh, she mentions Noah and and in a complimentary way, which upsets Tony visibly. <laughs> you know, has a moment where he. Pokes fun at Caitlin and Noah not Meadow knocks her his sensitive you know, Mr. Sensitivity and Tony says, I'm agreeing with you, like you have a clue. She walks off and Tony is he's had enough of of this uh, of this dynamic with Meadow, this combative place that they're in. Uh, in the first two seasons, most of Meadow's issues were with Carmella. So it's kind of interesting to see this swapped now, uh, given everything that's going on with Noah, that Meadow's actually, you know. Very close with Carmel at this point. This is how it works, I feel. I, I'm, not, I'm not a parent, but I've been a kid, and I think this is kind of how it works. You have your ups and downs with your parents. Your periods where it's like, oh, I'm really cool with my mom right now, and then my mom and I are fighting, and this feels very real to me the way they did it, and Tony, Tony is about had enough at this point. Jesus Christ, what the fuck already? See how I didn't raise to the bait about the, quote, Moulinian? Uh, it's still going on, he says. Carmela does her quiet thing not getting involved in this but tony is still upset that she's seeing noah uh and then we get this cut to the bing and we (laughs) there's this vip room which we are now uh privy to in the back and uh we see the entry policy georgie the bartender or the the (laughs) gross 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 50 bucks plus a blowjob later that's the way you get in standard you know like you do And you know you're I'm gonna shaking be- my head, <laughs> listeners. I'm shaking my head. And you know you're gonna make at least what a grand in there, half a grand in there, whatever. VIP strippers. These girls are all around Meadows' age, a little older. But uh, there's some funny dialogue here. They use Vito and Bobby as a as a <laughs> as a sight gag. Paulie does the before and way before. <laughs> <laughs> And then he does the Paulie thing where he repeats the exact joke one minute later. <laughs> Do you hear what I said? <laughs> and uh, Tony's taking a girl into a, a private area. Let me show you where the snake bit me. Yes. What he says? Yeah. Oh, did... <laughs> Was it snake or horse? Oh, I can't remember. That's funny, though. Hmm. Uh, horse bit me? <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think he might have said that. Maybe. 
Ugly. Sorry if I fucked that up, listeners. Tracy says hi to Tony. He kind of brushes her off. This is uh, sh- Does she have the braces in this scene? I don't think no, yet. Not yet. She has like the reverse, reverse Hellraiser outfit. Yeah, yeah she she's got some. Very she's got some weird dress. clothing. Weird. Yeah, I don't like it. It's a weird dress. Well, it's it's it Dylan does Grant. it doesn't feel like it fits her right. Like as far as and I don't mean physically fits like it like she probably wouldn't wear this anywhere else you know what i mean like no very costume there's some girl bleeding i live in new jersey i see some girls and shit like this when i'm out and about at night uh, you know I, I i i've done some driving for uber i pick up party girls sure it, but this is more addressed for adriana who wore i think literally a tiger's face in the last episode yeah, yeah. but it, you get a sense that it doesn't fit her personality in, in a way uh yeah but yeah sorry deliberate ralphie comes in and we're gonna talk about ralphie a lot this episode because this is kind of, to me, Ralphie's coming out party. You're watching... Well, the, you're, you're, at at last he emerges, I wrote in my notes. At yeah, last the uh, real Ralphie Sifferet. Yes, here we go. So we've been wondering for episodes, what's up with this guy? He's funny. He's weird. He's a little... There's something kind of lurking under the surface there. He's irresponsible. Tony doesn't trust him. He's bringing Jackie along on certain things he's not supposed to be along on. But for the most part, he's been Joey Pants just kind of being funny and, and not getting the promotion he wanted. So this episode, to me, really thrusts him front and center this is who ralphie is this is his character and before we get into the actual specifics of the event i do have to compliment joe pantoliano you want to talk about commanding a scene i mean this guy comes in the entrance scene you mean the, yeah, yeah. The, the moment he walks through the door you you're captivated because he's just doing a great performance he's hopped up on something perhaps but just props to joey pants this is how an actor comes in and dominates has a commanding presence on screen He's very good in this role, and you know we realize now that uh, you know this is this Ralphie character is here for the long haul. He's a big he's a big character here. Sure. So he comes in. I have come to reclaim Rome for my people. <laughs> Georgie has no clue what he's talking <laughs> about. He just keeps quoting Gladiator, Gladiator, you fuck. And my f- one of my favorite line exchanges in the scene. Georgie says very innocently, "Oh, I didn't see it." Oh, Ralphie. Ralphie goes, oh, you're an asshole then. <laughs> uh, definitely made me laugh. Ralphie has a lot of laugh lines here, I, I have to say. He, uh, well, this is this next one isn't funny, uh, but Tracy comes up to kiss him. He stops her. Oh, how many cocks you suck tonight? You know, get me a drink. Sends her off. Very degrading. Very awful. Gross. Uh, gross is a great word. And then uh, he goes right up and kisses Gigi on the lips. Gigi wipes his mouth. Ralphie asks about Tony. He's, quote, getting his weasel greased. Ew. And then Ralphie replies, oh, your kid brother's here. <laughs> Polly has to write him, watch it, Ralphie. And then Ralphie just very casually, yeah, I got a cousin who's a fag. That's his quote, not mine. But he, <laughs> so, but he's commanding the scene. He's he's rubbing people the wrong way. He's loud mouth. He's cracking jokes. He's uh, He has no tact in the way he's behaving. It's only briefly mentioned, I think, by Polly as a question. You hopped up on something. Yeah. But he did he did some lines of coke or something before coming. This is not like, he's not like drunk off a of whiskey. No, yeah. Is he? I mean, like, something's happening here. No, because he's, 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 he's coherent. He's too alert. Yeah. He's too with it yeah. to be drunk. Yep. Yeah, so he's coherent. I would this, say uppers or cocaine or something. Yeah, this yeah. speaks of cocaine to me, uh, just based on what I know about it and people I've spoken to have used it. He kind of, uh, he's very physical. He feels invincible in a way you know that's the only way you would speak to a room full of gangsters the way he's speaking to them but yeah he breaks a cigar on georgie he's owning the room 
Oh, he, he pokes him with the fucking uh, pool cue. That hurts. All that, f- nah. All that fat, he says. And he starts swinging this lock like a f- like the flail in um, Gladiator. In Gladiator. Doing more you know, more Gladiator clothes, kind of taunting Georgie with it. The whole room is now watching the spectacle. Ralphie's making an ass out of himself. And he pegs Georgie, bam, right in the eye. Fuck it. Silvio gives the quote, fucking stunad, this guy. <laughs> Great delivery there by Stevie Van Zandt. But yeah, so this this is this is uh this is quite a scene. It pulls Tony out of his uh very physical blowjob he's receiving. <laughs> yeah, and unusually enthusiastic, I would say. It's like I, I did take a moment to be like, <laughs> oh, okay, God. all right, yeah. a lot of flopping around. <laughs> okay. Looks like uh, he's focusing very hard yeah. on climaxing, and then he gets distracted because Ralphie like took out Georgie's eye. Yeah, exactly. So here's the screaming going on out there. Makes Ralphie take him to the hospital, goes to fix himself some cold cuts. Tracy approaches him, asks him about the bread. Tony's just kind of very dismissive. What? Not now. It's In like, the reverse yeah. Hellraiser outfit. Yeah. This is Lily's point. This is to Lily's point of the not getting it. He already told her, don't talk to me about that type of stuff. Now yeah. she's in her stripper gear and still talking like a 19-year-old a girl. Then we cut back to Columbia. Columbia University instead of Bada Bing University. Caitlin is still having issues. Meadow and Meadow's all worked up about it. Maybe we should find her a guy, she says. Uh, they uh, they say maybe we should take her out for her birthday, get her drunk. Great idea. Uh, <laughs> no, actually has a funny but very mean line. I would never inflict Caitlin on one of my friends. friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Noah sucks. Noah sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they, they make that decision, so we assume we're going to see them take Caitlin out uh, for, for, for her birthday. Then we get the braces. Tracy comes in, topless, uh, only wearing a very skimpy bikini bottom. Right. It walks right up to Tony in the bing. Yep. It, it's probably like a Tuesday afternoon, it looks like, just a, you know, light outside. And she just smiles at him, and she's like, what do you think? As as a child would show their dad their braces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the the the, so the symbols can't be more clear here, right? She's dressed as a stripper. She's naked before him, but she's got braces as a a kid would have braces. And Tony's discomfort is visible, mm. right? Like whatever has stirred inside him is really starting to shift. And so was ours. Yeah. <laughs> we were also right. looking very uncomfortable by that. Yep. Again, Tony, very just kind of okay. Yeah. Great. You know. She, uh, uh, Silvio comes up, admonishes her for being late again, work the polls. She gets up there and they, uh, yeah, they talk about her like, you know, thoroughbred is a term used for a horse, like livestock. Well, that is the thing, right? Yeah. To, to them, I don't know if it's the sex work or if it's the lifestyle or whatever. To them, these women aren't people. Period. Yeah. You know, I would say, you know, I think the appropriate term is objectification, but actually they're speaking about them as if they're animals, mm. right? Subhuman. Yeah. Right? Uh, certainly Tracy is treated by Ralphie as not a human. At best, a pet. Actually, you wouldn't actually treat your pet like that. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck is she, in other words, you know? Yeah. Uh, this also is a tough episode just to sit through with Silvio, who's been so likable to this point, but now you really see... How the sausage is made, right? Right. This is his business. Yeah. The show does a great job of not letting you forget what these guys do. Well, and that's kind of, in a way, this is like David Chase and company saying, oh, I'm sorry, were you starting to be charmed by these guys? Because any, any, listen, one of my favorite bits of mob commentary is if you watch, at least my copy of the DVD has it, if you watch Goodfellas, there's commentary with Henry Hill and the FBI agent who turned him. 
The real Henry Hill. The real Henry Hill. Oh, wow. And the FBI agent together doing DVD commentary on Goodfellas. It's a fascinating listen. That's wild. And the FBI agent and Henry both, you know, Henry confirms it, but the FBI agent says, look, any wise guy I've ever talked to in my capacity as an FBI agent, they'll charm the pants off you. They're funny. They're like people you want to be around. There's a reason the movie's called Goodfellas. It's like, hey, these are a fun bunch of guys. I want to go out with these guys. And we were talking in our previous episode about how fun it would be to sit at that uh, table at Vesuvio with Ralphie and, and Gigi and Tony. Like, you know, yeah, what a fun group of guys. But don't forget exactly what you said, Jordan, how the sausage is made. And that, yes, we are introduced to Silvio in these little moments where he's either funny or the voice of reason. But he's, a, he's basically a pimp. Right. He's a pimp. He's a club owner. He, he treats these women, refers to her as a thoroughbred, but Maron, those choppers, uh, just talking about her in a, in a way that he, he says in season one, my daughter's going to be all this feminist shit about this place. His daughter, certainly, we wouldn't want anyone talking about his daughter this way, but it's just a different thing for these guys. These are whores. These are strippers. It's a totally, it's, it's a, and I mean this in a literal sense for them, it's a different animal. What is it that turns, for them, women from being people to women being objects, is it the nature of the work? Is it what is it? What's yeah, what? What's the, what's the what's the switch that gets flipped? I've been working through my head as you guys are talking too about Irina. That's her name, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she would kind of fall under this too. It's like Gumar territory and below. I'm grossed out saying that these are not women you would take home anywhere. These are not women. These are women who need these guys to survive um, and offer only what they offer. Mm. And these guys dangle promises. They dangle lifestyles. They dangle gifts or a paycheck and tips. We're also led to believe that Silvio at some point is... Paid for implants. Usually it's tits they want, he says, but she... she, she, she oh, well, it's an investment, right? right the yeah. way you would pay an employee to take a training because it will help elevate their productivity for a company, a business. Mm. That's... I, I was literally just talking to my hairstylist about how her landlord uh, offered to expand and, you know, she could get the girls who work for her, she could pay for them to learn how to do brows so that... Um, and if she pays for it, you know, she'll make that back in a month. It's an investment. Well, implants, braces, that only makes these women worth more, right? Mm, right. I don't mean that in terms of the hair salon piece. I want to be very, very yeah, yeah. clear on that. But a woman like Meadow, a woman like Carmela, these are women who don't necessarily need these guys like that. It's a different kind of need. Right. Uh, the I, Sopranos themselves, the family, have also graduated to a different class. And Meadow barely has to keep current with her dental appointments, and they're taken care of for her. Right. So there's a distinction in the way that these women relate to the world. Again, how ensconced are they? What are their comforts? Are there any? And there is a difference between Ralphie and the rest of the guys, because Ralphie seems to, for whatever reason, actively hate women yeah but again their world will countenance him just destroying her out of pettiness and not react yeah so yeah i i think my question uh and thank you all for your insights is just like okay you know you take someone like uh sure like a meadow okay right she's a a 
above average intelligence person, actually just a, actually well above average intelligence, a very intelligent person. Uh, she goes to college. She comes from a quote unquote good family. She's got money, whatever. Is it the class that makes her a woman and not an object, or is it the function of what the, the work that Tracy does? If you perform oral sex on men for money, are you no longer a person? You know, what what gives them the right to treat her the way they do is what I'm asking, you know? And it's, it's so sad because you think about how these guys kind of rose to the occasion in their way through Boca with the soccer team and the soccer coach. We're not dealing with girls much different in age, and yet they're more personal to them. Yeah, it, it, it's, to me, it, it's just about, like, I think they have their own code, and I think they have their own sense of, like, I'm going to quote another mob movie, The Bronx Tale, uh, where um, they're talking about, uh, you know, like, he, they, in that movie, there's the door test, the door lock test, which Sonny gives uh, Calogero, which yeah. is, you know, put her in the car first, and if she doesn't reach over and unlock your door, you dump her. But before that, he gets a much more crude test from one of his contemporaries, the blowjob test, the Mario test, which is where you force a girl's head down in your lap while you're making eye contact with a trucker on the highway, and if she starts sucking your dick, knowing that guy's watching... Uh, she's a pig and she can't be trusted. So in a way, I think I, th- I think the way oh they see it is it's almost like while they complete and this is again hypocrisy. Straight, the Sopranos are no stranger to it. They're enabling and in, in fact not only enabling but it, empowering this environment of the bada bing and the strip club and the prostitution and the way these women are are treated uh, with one hand. But they also judge it. It's like oh, a woman who would do that that's a pig. That's a that's a that's a whore. She's a whore. So it's like the difference between Meadow and Tracy, yes, is class, yes, is her relation to the boss, but on a more superfluous level, it's, you know, would Meadow subject herself to what goes on in the back of the bing? Absolutely not. And because these girls are in these, this position, they don't respect them at all. So the currency So they is... currently enable the culture, but they judge them for being a part of it. So the currency of humanity is respect then, right? Is that what we're coming to? Sure. Yeah. At least for these guys. You know, when Ralph, we'll get to it in more detail, but when Ralphie kills Tracy at the end, the problem is half that he killed somebody, but mostly you disrespected the Bing. I hate that line. Yeah, we'll get to that in a yeah. second. I hate that line. So, yeah. I hate that whole part. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everything they say. I don't even mean the murder itself. I mean, right, right. everything they say in that moment is, is makes me want to vomit. No. So... We get back to Union Square. Uh, they're out for Caitlin's birthday. Right. Again, Caitlin has no friends, so these two had to take her out. These two who yeah. don't even like her. Right. Okay, so yeah. let's remind our The girl is desperate. They're she trying to be nice. Straits. They're trying to show her a good time. She's yes. having a rough time. They're like, oh, let's take her out. She had some kind of incident with some guy at the bar. She wasn't doing well. Meadow wants to just go home. Noah suggests going to, what is it, Blue Smoke? Smoke. Smokes? I don't know. Some place. Noah suggests going somewhere, but Meadow wants to go home. And, uh... She sees a homeless woman muttering to herself. Her pants fall down. She has a daily news up her ass, uh, as f- functioning as kind of street underwear. Traumatic visual for her. Not used to it. Look, uh, you know, it's it's not pretty, but anyone who's been in New York for more than ten minutes, you see your share of shit, and you know this is not totally unusual. Right, and you have a moment as a viewer where you're like, 
who's more fucked up here? The person who sees this and is shocked by it and wants to try to help this person and is traumatized, or most of us metropolitan viewers and like Meadow and Noah are like, ah, that fucking shit happens every day. Who would rather just keep moving on, you know? Who's more fucked up? Unfortunately, most people say, oh, well, Caitlin's more fucked up. Yeah, no, but yeah. No, it's a very upsetting visual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should upset you. It should. Um, we get another little... Then we cut... But we're going with a lot of these rapid cuts now back and forth between uh, Bada Bing University and Columbia University. Really good. Uh, Chris is complaining about his hours and how hard he's working for Paulie and says, if I wanted to work 21 hours a day, I'd go work at Denny's. Silvio cracks like they'd fucking hire him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, again, cut to this uh, scene with... I think it's Tracy... Um, Getting for lack of better description, it is Tracy, yes. double Tracy. double teamed by Ralphie and a cop in uniform, uh, much different than the officer we were dealing with in the last episode. By the way, certainly not by the book procedure here, at least as far as I'm aware. And uh, he's de- speaking very in a very degrading manner to her, and um, you know, just uh, this is just you know awful, hard to see. She just looks miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the braces, honey, the cop says as we cut back to the dorm. Caitlin is really disturbed by what she's seen. That was horrible. Uh, I loved the, I, I had to laugh at this line. And the way these two scenes are commenting on one another, right? This whole episode, right? Yeah. These, these intercut transitions. Yeah, it's beautifully done. The way she says no more drugs as she's pouring a cup of full of vodka. Yep. Uh, like alcohol isn't a drug. <laughs> or maybe the most prevalent drug. Um and uh, Meadow can't take it. She leaves. She's, you know, she's she's not uncompassionate or unsympathetic, but it's just like, you, you know, she has, she's trying to get through her freshman year, and she was not blessed by the roommate fairy. This is a tough thing for anyone to deal with. Meadow's not equipped to help this person. She needs help beyond just a good friend, unfortunately. And so Meadow just takes off. Well, um, I'm not going to let Meadow totally off the hook here. She she could be doing a little better. Sure. Sure, I, but you know, again, what is she? What is she ultimately supposed to do for for this girl? Honestly, you know? I don't know. But yeah. what she's doing is not effective. Right. Right. I I don't think Meadow has to be this person's savior, but there is some moment where uh, we don't see it. Maybe it's off camera. Maybe it's a missing scene. Right. Uh, you know, uh, Caitlin, I think you're sick. I think we need to go to the university, you know, doctor or whatever. She does offer, like, says you should, but... She says, let's go to the health center, right? Something yeah. like that. Well, that's the university Is that where doctor. the... Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, she does offer, but I think if the extra mile would be bringing her there, yeah. right? Yeah. Let would, me bring you... I if know it were my roommate, scared. I would, I would do... I would, like, try to find... Well, she doesn't have any friends, but I would do everything I could to physically get them in that building. Correct. Myself. But, right, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but also keep, but also keep in mind. I do think any of us would do that, but keep in mind the age, right? Yeah. Like, does she have the emotional intelligence right now to really know how to do that? I don't know. Nope. I mean, not know know how to do that, but like know that that's really all of the things you should take. Maybe they do let us know that she's paying attention to details enough to take the exacto knife away. Right, right. So. Though Tony, who's much older, doesn't have the emotional intelligence to help out anybody else, so... Correct. Well, and I think this episode... Sorry, Paul. I think this episode really highlights just how similar Meadow and Tony are. They are the parallel here, yes. Correct. Well, one of many parallels. And uh, Meadow, also in this episode, I think is struggling with the fact that she does care. There's a limit to how much she can do. But, of course, what she's discovering is that Noah's caring quote-unquote is a farce so of course it's complicated yeah. by 
her own selfishness. So Meadow goes back to Jersey, something she's been doing a lot lately. Uh, I get it. If, you know, I, I, I went back a lot my freshman year, and I lived further than Columbia. Can we go back a second? Because we missed a pretty pivotal part where Noah comes to the door and says, I'm not going to... Uh, my my dad's coming from out of town. I can't hang with his, you. His, uh, his friend from L.A. His friend from L.A., rather, yeah. is coming, and I can't hang out with you. And she's very... It's the first sign of, hmm, something's weird. Yeah, that's our first yeah. little, like, right. oh, maybe and, that's and, on the rocks there, yeah. Correct, because, you know, it, and it feels tied to Caitlyn. I mean, going through that and kind of feeling the scene, um, it feels like Caitlyn's got an extra weird, oh, by the way, my friend's coming, can't, I, you can't come kind of vibe, right? It's, yeah. Because uh, she might bring Caitlyn, right? And it's the first time we're like, Something's up here. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I'm going to get a listener eye roll for this, but it's true. I feel this is true. As a man, you can get out of things very easily in every situation. You're not in a relationship, you like, you don't like the relationship, you leave. Mm. You know, oh, she's got this roommate, I'm not going to be there. You know, oh, you're pregnant, I'm not going to deal with this, mm. right? You can just walk out, you know? I think this episode really nicely highlights the agency that men have that women just do not. You mm. know, women's kind of left... Uh, women. Meadow is left kind of just left to deal with this Caitlyn situation. And also, you're being a shitty boyfriend if you're not saying like, hey, I'm not going to be able to see you, be with you, whatever, help you deal with this. Uh, my friend is coming from out of town. Why did I never mention this before? Mm. I don't really have to. I'm a guy. You get it, right? Mm. You know? And this is something Tony does to Carmelo all the time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't even know where Tony is half the time. Right. Right. And speaking of, when Meadow goes back... The bed's empty. Where's Tony involved in all this nonsense? <laughs> right, yeah. While they're having this conversation. So, Meadow goes home. She's in bed with Carmela, who was sleeping. She's catching Carmela up on everything. Caitlin, uh, this is a, struck me as a very real scene. I, I just wrote, this is very realistic, the way it's written, the way they're speaking to each other. I felt, you know, Carmela's just been woken up. This is a great conversation between... A, a mother and her daughter who's going through her first year at college. It just felt very real to me. She mentions Jackie Jr. Jackie asked about her during the dinner scene. Meadow mentions, uh, Carmela mentions it to Meadow. Just stirring that pot. Yep, yep. Um, Carmela, listen. Carmela's playing the long game, baby. Yes. Well, not only that, she's doing it perfectly. Oh, yeah. She's really doing a great job of the I don't want you seeing your boyfriend right. game. Yeah. I'm not threatening you. I made you a pie. That's how Carmela operates. That's Carmela. She's so yeah. good. So beautiful. She talks about Noah for a little bit, and it mentions exactly what we just talked about, how it's kind of just suspicious to her that he all of a sudden has this friend that she didn't know about coming, and he says he mentioned it, but I know he didn't, and I believe her in this moment that he probably didn't, that he didn't mention it. And One minute he's affectionate, the next he is a totally different person. Mm. Yep. That's a deal breaker, ladies. <laughs> uh, am i right girls <laughs> and we end the scene on a very interesting little button here she asks meadow are you in love with this boy and she says i don't know i guess at this point i i, I have to be uh or some, something to that which of effect. course is code for like while we're sleeping together yeah so yeah that works and out. carmella plays dumb but i think she gets it of course um you know a little awkward moment there but a uh, real moment carmella has to be wondering like what's what's next for this then if they're at that point 
And even at 2 a.m., awakened out of a dead sleep to talk to your daughter, she happens to remember, hey, you didn't you didn't schedule your appointment. Yes. I love that. Well, That's such it, a great mom great thing. Great mom thing, yes. Because, of course, right, all the th- your daughter's home, all the things I need to make sure she's doing, the Rolodex goes through, and <laughs> very cool. Well, and as Paul mentioned, and I also wrote it in my notes, too, later on, uh, that, you know, Meadow has people checking on her. Tracy does not. And no coincidence that Tracy had something done to her teeth and Meadows' thing that she's being prodded into by her mother is a dental appointment. That's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously very uh, deliberate. Sure. Well, if Tracy had had a lifetime of people sending her to the dentist to get her dental issues looked at, she wouldn't be in the position she's in now. Uh-huh. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, three grand in hock to, you know, Sylvia. Right. Next scene breaks my heart. This might be one of the saddest scenes in, the, in, a, mm-hmm. in a very sad episode. Um, Tracy grabs Tony in the parking lot of the Bing. This is clearly like morning after. Tony's probably a little hungover. And she kind of grabs him and uh, has to fight for his attention for a moment. She says she's pregnant. It's Ralphie's. Sometimes he acts like he doesn't give a shit. Tony's response, ever think he's not acting? <laughs> Great response. But then uh, she finally elicits Tony's advice. And he's very frank with her. And we get... Little, just just enough, just enough information about her and her background and what's been going on. She apparently has a kid already. There was something going on with burning him with cigarettes, and that goes back to her mother holding her hand on the stove. So she is a, she is a, a child of abuse. The kid is left with that mother. Uh huh. The kid is left. That that's a great point. I didn't even connect that. That's actually, yep. Tony basically advises her, like you know, gives her the, as, as plainly as he can say it. Like, this guy Ralph is not... Get rid of this kid. You'll be doing the next few generations a favor with Ralph as the father. Tells her as bluntly as he possibly could uh, his warning about Ralphie to her. And um, to mention kind of what Lily says. And the fact that this that, that, that there's an innocence to this character. She doesn't want to believe it. She wants to believe that this is going to be okay. And maybe this could be the thing that turns her life around. Uh, but Tony is dropping the truth on her in a very harsh way. Do you guys think it's actually Ralphie's kid? How do you really know in this environment? Well, correct. Know? Because it seems like... Because I have a theory about Ralphie. Um, and I think that she's trying to make the the fantasy work. Or, or, you know, she's trying to latch on to everything he says. Which vulnerable women will do. And um, vulnerable people will do. And... I think she's painting the picture because based on Ralphie's behavior, I think he's closeted. I think that he is one of these very deeply, darkly closeted people who end up suppressing themselves so deeply that they become psychopathic. Uh, I don't know if I'm using that word out of actual definition the suppression, or at least the suppression, dangerous the suppression of self manifesting in other ways in manifesting in a lot of destructive times ways. destructive dangerous ways and we'll continue to see that this episode uh, yeah i could see it um he is still sleeping with women though so i mean i mean he's he's yeah. at least sleeping with her we saw it uh you know i i would actually believe this this is totally gross i apologize uh, but in the scene where he is, uh, they're having a three-way, you know, her, him and the cop and, and Tracy, and he is the only one actually having vaginal intercourse with her, presumably vaginal intercourse, 
It, it could be an agreement, which I've heard of with other folks who are in relationships with exotic dancers, where it's just like, hey, you can give these other guys blowjobs, you can do some other stuff, but va vaginal way. intercourse is for me only, right? right. And that, that is presumably his guma, right? This is, a, this is his side piece. So I think that tracks that, you know, she's not a bright character. I think Ralph might actually be the only guy she's sleeping with, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think that's probably true. There's no way he uses a condom. She's probably not protecting herself appropriately. I, I do think it's probably his kid. And if it's not his kid, the tragedy is just not quite as effective. So I think just for the purpose of the narrative, I think that has to gel together. Oh, that he murders That he murders someone who is the literal mother of his child. Mm -hmm. I think the tragedy remains with her, I don't think it really matters who the father is. She's painting this picture. Sure, I also think the choice of the behind position is very deliberate, if we're going with my own theory, right? Because you you presume vaginal. Sure, though that is my preferred position. So. Well, that just because it's... No, 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 that's no indication of people of that position. I'm just saying that with this particular instance... Right, but actually, to your theory, there's another man in there. Yeah. You know, so... In uniform, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> or no less, I should say. Well, he, just... he beats Tracy to death. Uh, again, this could support Lily's theory. He beats her to death after she impugns his masculinity. Right. You know, man. What man? You feel like a man. Yeah. He beats her to death. I mean... It's just a theory. In the end, it's all theory. It's certainly something to think about, I think. And even if he is closeted, they could have absolutely consummated and he could have impregnated her, right? Well, it's an as, as part of your theory, you think they're only having anal sex? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know what okay. he's... I don't know what's going on. Right. Uh, they... She's so far gone, I think that she could create probably anything in her head because she's made it okay to make Tony her father figure. Which, uh, you know, again, any person with any kind of... In, in, I, I'm sorry, any kind of intelligence, I mean emotional intelligence, really, would know not to do that. Yeah. Mm. Right? The, it's not like it, this all seems different for Tony, too. It's not like other dancers at this club are going to Tony as a father figure. Right. You know Certainly what I mean? Not. So even if they are having vaginal intercourse, it very well could be his. You know, but I'm just posing, and you know, I think both could work. There are yeah. people who are, you it's, know, it's food for thought. It's also well, important to point out that, that we are, we are, uh, you know, there's still miles to go for this character, presumably. So uh, we'll, we'll find out more maybe as time goes on. But this is uh, it's it's interesting, certainly interesting to think about. The fact that Tracy is willing to latch on to this guy and this child. And they're making a family together shows just how desperate she is. Yeah. Yep. Moving on here, Meadow, we get this little scene at the breakfast table. Meadow, much more sheltered existence right after the scene about motherly abuse and, and all that. And Meadow, you know, holding out the orange juice glass, just expecting Carmela to fill it. Carmela, like, the Thank fridge is right there. God, she didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course she wouldn't. Uh, you know, but we get a little glimpse of Meadows, just the, the 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 world of difference she's living in. I have a weird note for that scene. I don't know why it is, but AJ doesn't know how to eat pancakes. I don't know <laughs> what that's about, but he's like, turning the fork. Fucking idiots, dude. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just having fun with it. I yeah. mean, like he's a he's a young teenager. He's like playing around mm -hmm. with his food and like sitting weird and. Caitlin approaches Noah. She's lonely in her room. Again, no friends. Wants to study. Noah has to write his paper, but she's just like, well, she's like, can we hang out? Then he says, I have to write my paper. Well, can we study together? Noah caves. Doesn't really have a good answer for her. Uh, then we get the scene back at the Bing. Georgie 
with an eye patch. Looks a little ridiculous, a little buffoonish. <laughs> Tracy's called in sick. Three days she's been missing work. Silvio's, Silvio's radar is up. Caitlin comes in, has the happiest we've seen her in this episode, and I wrote, she was fine until she mentioned the sound of the pine trees at night. Oh my god, so uh, funny. <laughs> and she's talking about this getaway, which might very well be good for her, considering the culture shock of the city. But then she mentions how we can just not freak out at the sound of the pine trees at night. Meadows, I'm going to Noah's. Instantly <laughs> off. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Ralphie is watching a uh, gladiator film. You want to talk about this? Uh, did they have flat tops in ancient Rome, Paul? Uh, sure. Uh, Christopher, <laughs> so Moltisanti kid's got his head up his ass. ass. <laughs> he recommended that um, Ralphie watch Spartacus, I guess, but yeah. Spartacus is very different. Spartacus yeah. is by my favorite filmmaker, Stanley Kubrick, um, and it is, so it's just, I think, very funny that Ralphie's yeah. shitting on it. To Lily's point, Spartacus is a gay icon. Mm-hmm. That is uh, something very Gladiators much Gladiators in general. Gladiators in general, sure. They didn't have flat tops in ancient Rome! And uh, Tracy's there with him. She's she's not feeling well. She's snuggling up with him, Gets him, offers to get him a drink. We cut back to the... Again, these, these scenes are going boom, 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 boom. We're going back and forth much more quickly, perhaps, than normal. Uh, Noah's pissed. He's got a C-. minus. He's complaining and ranting about this, and he's very upset, and he wants options when he graduates, and, and uh, C- minus is fucked, and she didn't like his uh, economic notes and all of this stuff, and uh, he's pissed off. He says, I know I'm the RA, but she's not even on my floor. <laughs> And Meadows just kind of like, you know, Jesus, like relax. It's one bad grade. You're gonna get. You're gonna be fine. It's early in the semester, and he's just not hearing it. He's at this point. He's hit his breaking point with uh, Caitlin. These actors are really funny that they got to do these. Like this guy Noah has this one note. I'm talking primo notes. I got an A. Yeah. Just his delivery on that yeah, was yeah, yeah. so obnoxious. And no, great. he's he, oh the actor's wonderful. He does a great job with this guy. If you if you care if you if you dis, if you dislike a character as much as we all dislike Noah, that actor's doing his job. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. To be clear, we dislike Noah the character. The right. actor is awesome. Yeah, yeah. But well, he plays this role very well. Yeah, of it, course it's a girl's fault that he didn't do a great job. It's like if you needed the concentration, you need to explain that to her. Right. Yeah. So she brings Ralph the fresca and a pop tart, and I just wrote, "God, she's so sweet. I, I, I want so, I want such a different life for her." She brings him the food. She snuggles up with him, and it's, it's sweet. And she's giving him kind of sweet talk. I love you, that kind of stuff. And he's just like watching the movie. And uh, the door bell rings, and there's a knock, and it's Silvio, and she's terrified. You see the look on her face. And what really broke my heart about this scene is she's kind of looking. She's Obviously scared that it's Syl. She's terrified. She's looking for Ralphie to be... She, she wants... She's building this life in her head where maybe her, Ralphie, and this baby can live happy and, and maybe pull out of the horrible life she's had so far. And uh, she's waiting for Ralphie to do what a, boy, what a good boyfriend or a husband or a man in your life would do, which is, like, tell this guy to... Tell Silvio to fuck off. Right. I'm taking care of my this girl. This guy's who's his friend, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and for a moment, Ralph argues, like, oh, the mother's watching him. Silvio comes in, he's pissed off, he scratches the eye, he calls her disgrace. Uh, you got a little kid at home, mother's watching him. Ralphie, and then Silvio mentions the three grand. This Quote, three grand this cunts into me, and where do I get my fucking balls? And Ralphie just instantly, like, oh, okay, yeah, now get out of here. Just totally giving her over to Silvio. Uh, it's heartbreaking, I felt terrible for her. And Silvio, we get a side of Silvio, like I said, if just in case you were enjoying Silvio just a little too much, <laughs> considering who these people are, he 
just speaks very terribly to her. Uh, you know how many girls would kill for the opportunity you got? Yeah, okay. Uh, drags her by the hair out to the car, decks her real hard across the face, and and uh, basically tells her, until you pay back what you owe, quote, that little shaved twat of yours belongs to me. Do you understand? He makes her agree, throws her in the car. While Ralph is laughing in the window, cut to them having a very hard laugh in a lovely domesticated dinner scene what do we make of this whole sequence well the utter humiliation of tracy right the complete dehumanization of her Mm -hmm. uh and also hard to look at silvio the same after this ralph we're already like all right you're almost irredeemable soon to be totally irredeemable but silvio who we love right seeing him in the true role as like the nasty evil pimp yeah is like oh that is hard to watch and throwing you've got a kid at home at her yeah Terrible. Yeah. So does Syl. Yeah. And, right. And the next scene um, has them, you know, doing the... Uh... It, oh, I'm right back to, oh boy, this looks like a fun table to sit at. And it's yep. like, look yeah. what these people are doing. Yeah. Where they and get I to say, enjoy laughing, your youth. They're enjoying their cake. Right. Wholesome conversation they're having. Some kind of silly little joke being made at Silvio's expense. Ha 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 ha. About oh, yeah, husbands yeah. and their short attention spans. Yeah. And yeah. all the charm that come with it that happened one <laughs> time that happened yeah. and ralphie uh, ralphie's got a funny joke he's got yeah. good timing yep he knows how to react in the moment mm-hmm. uh, i think rosalie's thing is like husband have the attention spans of children or something yeah, i'm yeah, sorry yeah. honey what'd you say, say yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah uh, yeah so he knows how to play the game it's it's uh uh chilling frankly yeah. Yeah. watching this scene i barely even had the appetite to want to eat rosalie april's perfect looking tiramisu yeah yeah look great jackie comes in another scene where we get jackie he's oh i'm doing well almost dean's list i like silvio's line give me his name no more almost <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and yeah but yeah enjoy your youth tony tells him which uh which tracy will not get to do correct yeah and never has right but again it, it just points out that all the shit we're following these young girls, Caitlin with the mental health issues and Tracy with the abuse, all the girls at the Bing, Meadow, what she's going through. Jackie's just floating carefree. Jackie's lying. He's not in school. Right. He's not almost on the dean's list. He's nothing. He's not in school. He gets to lie and live his life and not have a care in the world. Yeah. He gets to roll around, hit him up for money and, you know, do what yep. he has to do. Yep. You get the scene with Noah's dad. There'll be nothing next to meeting after meeting your father. Uh, we get this, you know, he's the entertainment lawyer. We get a sense of where Noah comes from, and he's dropping names. Got the meeting with Dick Wolf, Tim Daly, which is funny for reasons I can't get into just yet, uh, but we'll talk about that later on at some point. But uh, yeah, so uh, she drops environmental cleanup as the uh, as the what Tony does, which is <laughs> well, and she handles it just how Tony would, with the smile, like the little bit of a wry smile to it. Yeah. Well, there is the acknowledgement, I think. We don't actually get a pan over to Noah's father, but no. like the, um, when I say waste management, sanitation, you know, mm. right? And you're right, Lily, it's that look. And we have to believe that Noah speaks to his father and probably knows exactly whose daughter this is, you know? Yeah. Uh, which makes me hate Noah's father even more for asking. Yeah. Correct. What uh, business is your father in, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And even bothering to have dinner with her. Right. Much like Noah, it's a lot of status. It's a lot of elitist bullshit going on here. He he orders a wine for two underage kids. Not that I care much about underage drinking. From 94. The 94, if you've got it. Gross. (laughs) 
<laughs> Nothing wrong with knowing your wine, but no, in, it's in not context, about knowing your wine. In context, it's, it's the flexing of the muscle. Yeah, it's exactly. Obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is all Noah does. Boy, app, you know the apple did not fall far. No, you know? I mean, come on. Any any self important young man in college has that Einstein photo poster on his wall, <laughs> right? It's like oh, the tongue out. Yeah, 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 yeah. come on. So yeah, we're we're racing toward the climax here. We get a, just a quick shot of Tracy on the pole, coming out, doing her dance. They introduce her. She comes out. She's she's beautiful. Please give a bada-bing welcome to, to Tracy. Tracy. She yeah. gets a bada-bing exit, doesn't she? Oof. Yikes. And then we cut back to Noah and Meadow. They're in line for... Oh. Just please don't forget that she's dancing, just pregnant. Oh, yeah. Like, I just... It's important. That, that detail to me is just yep. important she's in back terms of how, just how sad this and is. And she's very detached. Like, yep. you can see it in her eyes. Yep. She's... She's got, in many, I've heard, you know, um, stories about women who are in abusive situations or toxic situations. They become disassociative to get through it. You know, there, there are probably many women who are fine being sex workers and strippers and don't have the kind of abusive, troublesome situations going on. At least I hope that's the case for the, for the women in that line of work. But this so is not the case for Tracy. be a Tracy. longer podcast, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that's a uh, this is not the case for Tracy, and you can just see it in her eyes. She's just kind of she's 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 somewhere else up there on that stage, and uh, so then we get back to Noah and Meadow in line at the movie. Hey, that guy cut the line. Uh, <laughs> oh no, your problems. And then oh Noah's that Noah drops this restraining order thing. It's just so gross, awful, and Meadow's like she thinks we're her friends. This is uh, Meadow's kind of shocked and disgusted by it as we are. And, uh, no, what she, a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> she was ruining our lives. We couldn't do anything without her horning in. We certainly couldn't take her to see this. They're seeing some art house horror film, it looks like. Dementia 13. I'm not familiar with it, but uh, any anything on that? Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> then uh, we get back to the bing. Ralphie's telling the end of a very funny joke about Custer and the painting of the cows with halos and Indians. The Holy tr- cow, look at all these fucking, fucking Indians. Indians. Yeah. <laughs> It would be funny if we didn't all feel battered watching it at this point, you know, at this at this point in the episode. Tracy comes in, starts sassing them right in front of the guys. They're loving it. Gigi especially clapping. I like this girl. Gigi and Ralph, not friendly. You know, they, they don't like each other very much, so Gigi's loving it. Chris and everyone's kind of egging her on. Yeah, right, what man? And she walks out, and Ralphie uh, <laughs> drops this line that always makes me laugh. I don't care how dreary the episode gets. Women, women, women. Why was I born handsome instead of rich? <laughs> Yikes. So he heads out in the back, like, you know, what's the matter? She's like, fuck you. She's mad that he let Silvio take her and that he hasn't called her and that he's been out of touch. And he says, I, how, I've been working, baby. How else am I going to take care of you when you're nine months pregnant? And that, like it would anybody in this situation, I think, just kind of makes her it, it that charms her that worked on her like really you're, you're working like you know like that's what she wanted to hear in that moment and um she's so naive and sweet here it, you, like you know she doesn't she's get all it. in she's all in she's ready on his on his fantasy that he paints this dream scenario we'll get a house that's a boy will name it ralphie after me she smiles she's willing she nods she's willing to do that and then he drops this awful line forgive me folks uh if it's a girl, we'll name her Tracy after you. That way she can grow up to be a cocksucking slob like her mother. Are you out of your fucking mind? Starts laughing at her. And this is, you know, Ralphie is 
obviously up to this point a fan of the cruel roast style joke but this is just other level this is just he really savors the cruelty here leading her on making her buy into it and and loosen up and the the subtext here is like are you kidding like i would ever actually fucking do any of this for you you you're a whore like get the fuck out of here it's exactly Uh, what we talked about i know we're having a very serious discussion but i is this the first appearance of the line reading whore (laughs) because <laughs> I, so, yeah. I have to talk about that for just one moment sure yeah <laughs> uh, n- North Jersey listeners uh, I guess there's a <laughs> sect of people that pronounce whore as whore yeah she's a whore and my dad and his friends always said it that way yeah. but not to be funny I yeah, just yeah, remember yeah. I knew the word whore and I would hear them say whore and I never heard that again until Ralphie Cipretto. So I guess that is a thing to add oh, the yeah. extra O, like a little sing-songy almost. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you're pronouncing the word "who," yeah, and then tacking the "re" at the end. of Right. It. I don't know. This was not the appropriate time, perhaps, for this conversation. No, no. I, I want to no, let you know. All right. That. We can give <laughs> him a break. Yeah. yeah. Ralphie Cipretto <laughs> comes up a lot in my mind because every time I hear the word "whore," I my mind is a little like a <laughs> "whore." Right, uh, which is just you know, it was my dad and his friends growing up, and yeah. and then Ralphie said it like that, and I was That's like, holy a, fucking shit, this is this is where that migrated from, you know, yeah, this, this North, whole North Jersey North accented whoer came over to Long Island where I grew uh, up, and yep. you know, yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. I, I I hear people say it that way sometimes, and it catches me off guard, but it's funny. But yeah, I wrote, I just wrote, Ralphie is scum. She slaps him, he belts her, <coughs> uh, and she she chastises his masculinity. Is a feel good pull quote. Make you feel good, you feel like a man, and his whole demeanor changes. You see it in his face, everything drops. And he's just like, oh, really? Okay. And I wrote in my notes, oh, hi, Ralph. Yeah. There you are. Yes, there you are. We finally meet. Yeah, he finally peeks out from under the under the shell. He's been on stage until that moment. Mm-hmm. Now we're backstage. Yes. This is the guy. Yep. And he just grabs her, pummels her several times in the face, Hits her deliberately in the abdomen. Several gut punches oh, yeah. right where the baby, you know. Uh, if she's if she had any prayer of surviving this attack, certainly that baby wasn't going to. Right. And just fucking beats the shit out of her in brutal fashion. Really tough to watch. They don't give you a quick cut out of this. You're left to deal with it. You're left to see it. And it, it then beating her wasn't enough. He starts slamming her head up against the guardrail back there repeatedly. And just leaves her, buttons his jacket, look at you now, look at you now. He's cruel even in death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's stunning. Walks back in, and as soon as he's back Smile in... Smile back on the face. Yeah, he's back oh, on stage. Oh, showtime again. Ah, yep, hey. Right? Yep, like you said, a ba- offstage, onstage. Yes, it's like you walk little, through the curtain. There's this awful little vaudevillian thing going on with him, too, that he plays with. You know, mm-hmm. not just in all the episodes Ralphie's in, mm-hmm. you know. Hand in the... In the ice for the champagne, pulls the champagne out, hand right in there, and very casually just, <laughs> I don't know, she fell. I, something, you know, we, she, we were fighting and uh, she fell. And uh, Tony goes out there and you see it on his face. He's just so pissed off and upset about this. It's really weighing, it, it gets him right away. Holy fucking shit, Paulie and Sylvia are with him. Where's Ralph inside? Go get him. And Tony's just staring at the body. It's rough. Uh, and uh, he just, like, as soon as Ralphie comes out, he's got a drink in his hand. He's, it's jovial Ralph, like nothing happened. And Tony's just like, she fell? And he says, that's my story. Tony slaps a drink out of his hand, slams him up against the chain. 
you stupid motherfucker, how fucking dare you? And he's, it's it's my fault. You know, they argue a little bit back and forth about this is why you were passed the fuck over. And uh, he says, it's my fault she's a klutz. More jokes, not taking it seriously. Everything's a punchline. Yeah. yeah. Always a joke. Uh, and Tony has this line. He says, how dare you disrespect this you place disrespect or, this or something place. like that, you know. And uh, that's that's the line he has to go with, I guess. And I hate it because... Well, he I can't guess... He can't do this to Ralphie over a whore. Correct. The, the line he cannot say is that, how could you have done that to her? Or like, she was a person or like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anything that he's opened up his heart to cannot Which, be revealed in this moment. It only has to be on the business end of it because she was right. property. Which, to Tony's right. credit, he feels. You can tell he's actually upset about this person. Well, when we get to therapy at the end of the episode, we sure know that, you know, if there yeah. was any doubt, right? He says it. He says, yeah. Polly, also, as Jordan's couching it in yeah. the framework of their business, he was way out of line. Tony, since 20, 20 years, years old. 20 years old, this girl, right? Polly says, that too. Yeah. No one was thinking about it as he beat a woman to death. It was that he disrespected the Bing. He beat... he. As far as everyone's concerned, this wasn't a murder. Ralphie stole $3,000 from Silvio. That's how all of them are looking right. at it. He destroyed property. He's a horse thief, yeah. right? That's as far as they can get. Yeah, the, the, this ending does highlight that quality, but it's another Sopranos instance where a character is actually at some level undone if not severely compromised not by greed not by rage but by sentiment mm-hmm. tony felt something he accidentally figured out maybe this woman's like a human being <laughs> and he slaps the piss out of ralphie which strictly speaking he shouldn't do oh yeah that's another thing too is made guy. by by mob by rules of mob you know yes ralphie did something terrible here but you do not hit another made guy like that it's not done unless you get an okay to murder them in, in an official capacity, you can't just walk... That's one of the perks, right? Is that once you're made, you can't be fucked with like this. Even by the boy, the boss is not supposed to just grab guys who are made and rough them up. So Ralphie says, are you out of your fucking mind laying your hands on me? Implying that Ralphie's going to go up the chain, that he's like pissed off. So Ralphie now is in the position where he feels like he's been wronged. He just, yeah, you're going to hit me over property? That's the subtext. Really? Over this? Yeah, it's it's rough. It just drives home the point. That great line from Paulie. Yeah, that too. I'm glad you said that. Even just the the shot of all of those men looking down on her. Mm. It's just, and then having this conversation. This is all over her body, right? Yeah. And back to my my Ralphie's in the deep in the closet theme. It, it goes right into your point about the vaudeville act, right? Always performing except exactly when he's not. And when he's not, he so severely hates women. Hmm. Certainly something to consider. That's who he is when nobody's around. Is somebody who so deeply hates women that he could do that. And, And because his hatred, yes, all of those guys do horrible things, but they do have a line somewhere. All of them, I think. Something, right? I I just don't think Ralphie has that when it comes to women. I don't mm. I don't think he has any kind of line because he, he hates them so much. Mm. So yeah, unfortunately that happens and it's it's rough and it but it, I mean it's a well done scene. Uh, there's a big kerfuffle. They all have to get out of there. Chrissy cover that up, get a sheet. Um, you know, and uh, she's gonna be we have to imagine she's gonna be chopped up or dumped in a swamp somewhere and that's it. And then I wrote, this made me sad to think of it this way, but it really, 
on, you know, in, in, on, on paper, you have two breakup scenes here, uh, of these relationships ending. The second one is at uh, Columbia University. We're going back. And uh, Noah breaks up with Meadow. In the library. In the library. Both women are silenced, too. Mm. Mm. That's a great pull, Will. Very transactional, you know, in this scene. Noah breaking up with her. It's ostensibly over really nothing. You're too negative. What could that fucking even mean? Yeah, you have right. this underlying cynicism. Right, fuck oh. you. You know. And, and then he goes back to kind of studying. And of course, to do and, and he does it in a very cowardly way. First of all, he doesn't want to engage. It's sort of like, I think we just need to break up. And I really didn't want to get into it here. No, step like, one, yeah. bring you to a place where to, you, can't you can't have a conversation. And where you can't make a scene also. Correct. It's yeah. so cowardly. Yeah. Yeah, he knows he's going to get her off guard. She's not ready for it. Yep. And she can't make, she can't get loud. Mm-hmm. So we get this therapy scene next with Tony and Carmela. And Tony's being very quiet. Carmela expresses more frustration with this. Uh, and it also lets us know as viewers that this Carmelian therapy thing is not going away anytime soon. This is something Melfi's trying for the time being. But Tony's giving the silent treatment and, and Melfi has to admonish him a little bit. You know, Carmela's giving up her time to come here to talk with you and me about your panic attacks. Don't you have anything to say? And Tony gives the most honest version of what happened that he can. He knows he can't be sad. On the verge of tears. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's very upset. He, this has very clearly affected him. To his credit, uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to stop it and didn't intervene sooner in a way that would have been meaningful, but at least he has somewhere in him that sees this young girl as, as a tragic death and as someone that didn't deserve what happened to her. But Even he, the uh, language that he uses being, as you said, like sort of circumspect, yeah. made it feel at some level maybe more painful because of how he has to process it. Like It's, it's very brief the way he talks about it, mm-hmm. but I think he just says... That it's he first lies says it's a man. He can't say it's a woman. Right. In front of work Carmella. related death. Work related death. That yeah. phrase. Gross. I mean. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, definitely like an uneasy feeling. Because it was. It was yeah. Work related yeah. death. That was exactly what happened. The the hazards of working with these men. Yep. Yeah. Sad when they go so young. Ugh. Says. Then we're back in the Soprano kitchen. Carm's checking on the dentist again, yet again. More people checking in on Meadow. Meadow's at her low in this episode, and she has a beautiful house that has a ton of food in the cabinets, by the way. Being checked on about her dentist, she went. And uh, is there nothing to eat in this house? She storms off angrily. Tony and Carmela share an interesting look, like, what's, what's, what's happening here? Then we get the bing for the last time. The girl's given rumors. I heard she went out back with Ralphie and never came back. And, oh, you better keep that to yourself kind of thing. Georgie giving his VIP entrance pitch, $50 and a blowjob later. We're right back at it. Business as usual. It's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Talk about living on a thin line. That's like, that's some serious omerta. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Keep what you keep what you hear to yourself. Mm-hmm. Brutal. And uh, the song by the Kinks is playing, Living on a Thin Line, and we're out as the girls, another cycle of girls, continue to dance at the Bing. Final thoughts on university. It's rough. This is this is sad stuff, I think, but, but I think they did a lovely job at telling the story they wanted to tell. It's just not a pleasant story. It's, it's just, it makes you, it, it provides a, there are some hours of this show, like Employee of the Month, that go to some really dark, disturbing places but offer glimmers of hope. Yeah. For some of the characters, this one is. This is just not. I mean, this is a. It's it's well acted. It's well written. It's well directed. 
But this is bleak stuff. This world and the universe these people live in. Don't forget just how broken it all is. Just a little reminder from the from, before we continue forward as quote-unquote normal as this show gets. You've been charmed by sociopaths and don't you forget it. Yeah. Any final thoughts on university? Yeah, I have, I have two. Uh, so the, the first final thought for me is that, um, you know, famously this episode was super controversial. People allegedly calling in to cancel their HBO subscriptions. Yes, I, I do want to talk about that briefly after final thoughts. Yeah. Unless you're bringing it up. Um, yeah. But I just, I just want to, you know, acknowledge uh, something I believe about all art, literature, film, television. You know, depiction is, is not endorsement. Yes. Right? Yeah, I was uh, going to say the same thing. Yes. Um, you know, this episode is hateful towards women. One woman in particular, but really all of the women in the episode suffer. This episode is never at any point saying this is how men should behave. Merely that they are trying to show it to you honestly. Yeah. So that you can have thoughts about it and have great conversations like this one about it. Well, and that hopefully you'll take it and do better. You're bringing this up, so let's just get into it now because I did want to ask a question. Because this episode raised a lot of controversy. In particular, coming two episodes off of a Employee brutal month, yeah. rape yeah. depiction. Yeah. And so I do want to just like ask your continue to go with final thoughts. But while we're on this subject, you know, I want to just throw this out there. And you, you've kind of given a great explanation of the idea that depiction doesn't equal endorsement. But does The Sopranos have a problem as far as, you know, does this show hate women? You know, because it was certainly getting a lot of people angry at this point. Especially because we're also dealing with this gross racism storyline as well with Noah. So there's a lot of like these hot-button social issues that are being pressed in the first half of this season. But these issues are in our society, and to not acknowledge them would be foolhardy. Lily, you're on and, the verge of saying And worse, to not acknowledge them. Right. I guess we're anthropomorphizing The Sopranos, right? Do you mean HBO? Do you mean the writers? Do you mean the producers? Do you mean the directors? Like, yeah. who are you actually asking if, we, if, if they hate women? The creators of the show, the people who put into it. You know what? Yeah, let's let's label it. Let's say that the creatives that have made this show for us. So Chase and company. No, in fact, they they can't hate women. Of course, I can't speak for all women. I'm not Whitney Houston, but uh, <laughs> she is every. Woman. She's every woman. It's all in her. So <laughs> it can't hate women, or we wouldn't have Melfi. Melfi would have been cast as a man, or Melfi would be dumb. Or Melfi wouldn't be able to have a relationship and be intelligent. Uh, you wouldn't have a, a, a young woman turn out as, as intelligent as Meadow, right? She might be more ditzy. She may be more dumb, right? You get Carmela, who really stands up for herself as many. And she has her issues too, but you wouldn't have Livia, right? These are very strong, powerful female characters. And I would argue that the Sopranos creatives love women and these characters hate women but i would take a david chase world woman over an aaron sorkin woman any day of the week because they don't get to be smart and pretty and emotionally intelligent sorkin's women have to make choices of i am pretty and dumb and social or i am smart and pretty and dumb with relationships mm -hmm. so no i don't think they do any other um, thoughts on this subject? Uh, not really. I mean, I think that it's been said, but The Sopranos, among other shows, depicts a world that has issues with women, that is sexist yeah. in many ways, and a subculture, 
And shows like that seem to have a very good track record of actually creating great women characters. Yes. Um, like this show, like well, because Deadwood, it, like Mad Men. Yeah. Women are human beings, and, and there there's a wide range of, of women. There are strong women, there are weak women, there are abused women, there are empowered women. Uh, and I just think that to fault the show or anything, I mean, I, I remember arguing on behalf of Martin Scorsese during uh, Wolf of Wall Street when that was really out. It's like, because they're choosing, the writers, the directors are choosing to show you something brutal and real and honest in a way that is upsetting to you, that's not an endorsement. That's not glamorization. If anyone walks away from this episode thinking, oh, God, I wish I, I had my own strip club. It's like, you know that that you can't lay that kind of personal illness on the Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> this is you know, but but I think they're showing they're they're doing something that's brutal and honest and real and good, and uh, yeah, I I think that um, while this sh- it's it's deliberately making you uncomfortable, it's uh, I think it's still worthwhile, and I definitely don't think that. Uh, the Sopranos has an issue when it comes to to women, and, and as as has been very eloquently stated. Yeah. Uh, my second final yeah, thought, and my final final thought, uh, is about Ralph Cifaretto, mm. uh, who has been a really enigmatic character. We have not been sure what to make of him until definitively this episode, where Ralphie finally emerges as the true Ralphie. He's uh, really interesting. He's also really important um, because there are lots of guys like Ralphie and they're probably the most dangerous type of these abusers because their false front is so charming. I commented in a previous episode, would love to be at that dinner. And I kind of meant it for the fact that Ralphie was there because he's so funny. Yeah. He's got a million lines, uh, these one-liners, this vaudeville routine he puts on. I described him in a previous episode as he has kind of this cuteness to him, right? If you look at the way he's dressed, at just Joe Pantoliano's face and his teeth and the way his hair is done, you're just like, oh, this is a cute gangster. You know, on, on appearance alone, you'd be like, this is the least threatening of the crew, right? But in reality, he's a total monster. He's actually, strictly speaking, at least unto this point, worse than Richie Aprile. I think he's right. far more dangerous. Far more oh, dangerous. Oh, sure. At We're, least you know what to get when you get to Richie. And 100%. You, and you know though. the moment you walk, walk into a room with Richie, right. how dangerous he's like, right. ooh, I better stay away We're from that We're only guy. six episodes into season three, and, and Ralphie Seferetto is completely irredeemable, right? And he's a monster, and we know these things about him. At least with Richie Aprile, this guy attacked you from the front. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck, this animal's coming right for me for my eyes, and I better watch out, yeah. right? Ralphie would be like... Hey, my friend, what's going on? Oh, hey, I got this. Hey, you want to play a little gladiator, right? And then you lose a fucking eye, yeah. right? I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, it, 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 everything about him just is is, is so charming, and, and he'll get close to you, and he'll sit, and he'll have dinner with your family, and he'll be the most charming person there. But backstage, he's Mr. Hyde, uh. right? Um, the quote I chose for our episode title is, Am I Not Merciful? Because I think he fancies himself as Maximus from Gladiator, but... He's Commodus. He totally is Commodus. He's Commodus. He's he's a monster. He wants everyone to love him. But in private, he's this horrifying person. Commodus also, by the way, has those um, uh, tendencies of maybe not being as masculine, right? Uh, Heterosexually masculine, right? So to Lily's point, there's that too. It's a real thing. That's great. I love the Commodus thing. I Um, thought of that aspect as well, and it reminded me of how Tony thinks of himself as... Gary Cooper, but Gary Cooper in High Noon is the lawman, and Tony would be the guy coming on the train to kill him. 
Right. Um, this in very grim imagery sets up that parallel as you did with Maximus and Commodus. It's a really good point. And with that, folks, we're going to hit the road for university. It's been a hell of an episode. Thank you, Lily, for joining us. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we'll be back next with Second Opinion. It's a much different episode than this one. We're going to have to have Lily back for an episode with a few more laughs and and not quite as heavy. We bring her in for the heavy stuff. But I did think it was important when we were specifically addressing the topic of The Sopranos and women to have a female perspective on the show. But we value your perspective on all episodes. So we're going to bring you back for something a little less uh, heavy next time. (laughs) And, of course, our retrospectives, which you're already a part of. But uh, second opinion, it's a very good episode for some of our characters. Get a little more Furio, a little more Junior. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning into the Sopranos podcast. <laughs>